So I don't normally give introductions to our podcast, but this one absolutely warrants it. Our guest today, Austin Kampertanakis, is a special, special human being. There's a part of the podcast where he says, uh, hey, I'm just a regular guy, but it's very clear that he's not. I'd like you guys to key in, to learn, to learn for yourselves what it's like to be a difference maker, to separate yourself from the crowd. There's three things that stood out to me while listening and re-listening and talking to uh, Austin. Thing number one is he has a grasp of behavioral science. So when he is uh, trying to get people indoctrinated into what he's doing, he doesn't throw everything at them all at once. He gives them a little bit and he tries to get them in with baby steps. They can kind of dip their toe in the water and then he can give them more. He also has a clear understanding of habit development. So you repeatedly do something. If you get these reps in, all of a sudden it becomes a habit. Uh, thing number two that I like is that he seems to be the ultimate educator. So while me and him are in a back and forth conversation, there are times where he's talking to me, but there's times where he takes a step back and says, hey, for those of you in the audience that don't know what this thing is technically, and then he explains what that thing is. Thing number three is he's, he's clearly, clearly mastered his craft. He absolutely, he knows what he's doing. Now, the last thing I want to talk about, this has nothing to do with Austin's greatness. That has to do with the podcast itself. There are a couple of times where it sounds like we are speaking over each other and we are absolutely not. We once again have had some audio glitches. I've done my best to audit, uh, to edit some of that out. But if you ever hear me and him speaking at the same time, that is absolutely not what happened. So uh, bear with it. It is an awesome, awesome podcast. It is worth a listen. Okay, people, enjoy. All right, everyone. We have a very special podcast today. And for many of you meatheads, this may not be something that you want, but this is absolutely something that you need. We are here with Austin Kapitanakis from Baptiste Power Yoga with Austin. Austin uh, was introduced to me or I was introduced to him by Joe Sarno. So I was, uh, it's pretty eerie. I was dreading going to bed every night because I'd feel pretty good before bed. I do my mobility dr drills. I do my deep breathing. I feel great. And then I'd wake up in two hours completely and totally cl cramped and unable to walk. And I was realizing that I was stressing myself out even while I was sleeping. I was just bracing my entire body. So I reached out to Joe Sarno a while ago, even during our uh, quarantine questions. He had mentioned that he had a buddy that, that was doing yoga online. And I said, man, do you know a yogi who can help me meditate? He's like, yep, I got the guy. His name's Austin. So Austin, <laughs> thank you for coming on the, the call today. And thank you for bailing me out, man. I've been sleeping well for the last two weeks. So thank you so much. Welcome to the show. George, thank you so much for having me. And I'm glad that uh, the practices or the uh, homework, if you will, has been working for you. I'm really glad. So in, in our very first, maybe like 10 seconds of conversation, you had mentioned to me that you were both a CrossFit athlete and a yoga instructor. Instructor, how, how do those two worlds exist together? Is that even possible? Yeah, great question. So that's um, CrossFit and yoga have really been you know, it's not only so important to me, but have really created so much structure in my life. And um, I got into yoga first. This was about five, almost six years ago. And um, kind of at the same time, when I started doing yoga, uh, my buddy, his name is Alex Rosso, for anyone who knows him from Staten Island, was uh, would text me like, you know, you should try CrossFit, come to CrossFit, you're gonna love it, you should really try it, it's gonna be great, you don't have to replace it with yoga. Uh, and just try it out. So I was like, yeah, yeah, I'll come, I'll come. And then uh, just one day I was like, you know, why the hell not? You know, yoga has been great for me. Um, I was always an athlete, so I'll put that in. And um, growing up my whole life, I've played every different sport you can imagine. And the one most in particular was tennis. And I played tennis uh, competitively throughout college. I played for the College of Staten Island all four years. So then when I uh, graduated college, I was really missing like a community, a team atmosphere, pushing myself, competing. So CrossFit, to kind of tie that back together, was a perfect um, replacement, if you will. And I just, I'd always lifted weights. Uh, I'll mention that as well, since um, I'm like eight, since I've been 18. And then just kind of fell in love with CrossFit and was committed to doing both in tandem. So while I was practicing yoga pretty regularly I was also committed to doing CrossFit and I was just seeing crazy results and one actually impacted the other 
and vice versa. And still to this day, I find that the two are a great marriage, a great couple, if you will. And um, that's basically what I do all day, every day is I'm in the gym, either working out, coaching, or I'm in the studio practicing or teaching. So that's how the two kind of coexist in my life. Now, were you a yoga instructor before you got into CrossFit or you just were practicing yoga? Great question. I was just practicing yoga. Um, so if we say it was like 20, I think it was January in 2016, I just got into yoga just as a practitioner, as a student. And at the same time, maybe like a few months later, I don't know the exact date, I started uh, going to the CrossFit box in Staten Island called Unbeaten. It's no longer there, unfortunately. But um, I was doing both as an athlete and as a student uh, kind of simultaneously. So I got to say that you mentioning that you were in CrossFit, it, it, not that I do CrossFit, but the, the fact that you push yourself to that level, it helped us connect instantly because I was very worried when we f- first spoke. I had done yoga a little bit, but I'd always given myself bursting. I burst the blood vessels in my eyes because I was straining right. so much. And the guys that I train, many of them, they like me to punish them physically. Like they want to have the hardest, toughest workouts that are possible. And I've started to introduce some, I I just call it deep breathing or diaphragmatic breathing or belly breathing after our movements to try and recover. And we talked about recovery technique. Some of them love it. Some of them don't want to hear about it. They just want to be punished even more. So it it was cool to me that you had lived in both worlds. Now, I'm just going to ask you this, like when you're in the people that you're instructing with yoga now, and I know you're doing work with Joe Sarno, are you involved with meatheads like the guys I just described or is it just every type of person? Yeah, so I teach at a wider range of locations, um, from the gym to like your lo- your local yoga studio that you you know you would think is a yoga studio, to um, visiting people's pe- people's apartments and homes. Um, so to answer your question, though, yes, uh, I don't know if I would say meatheads, so uh, so to speak, but CrossFit athletes and the people that necessarily you wouldn't consider or call a quote unquote yogi, whatever, you know, that means to you, but to the athlete, the weightlifter, um, pretty frequently on a weekly basis. And I've had, um, people that similar to you said, like they love to work out. They love to get their, their ass kicked. Um, but then when it comes to the other part of the equation, cooling down, winding down, like you said, breathing and doing all the opposite, they kind of lose interest. And it's like, well, it's not go, go, go fast pace. So it does, it's really not my speed. And I think there's just a lack of understanding of why it's important and how everyone, no matter your discipline, no matter your background, can get benefits from the practices. And I will, and I'll say too, is you don't have to be a quote unquote yoga person. Um, and that's something that I'm I'm trying hard to kind of demystify that or kind of smash that perception because it's false. Yoga, meditation, breathing practices, they're ubiquitous and they're for humans. So as long as you're a human being, doesn't matter your discipline, doesn't matter your background, I promise that you can get uh, the benefits from it. And then if you want to go into the lifestyle, quote unquote, of like a yogi, right, and those other things, you can but you don't need to. And that's really like my message to athletes and to meatheads and to people that think maybe yoga and meditation aren't aren't for them that, hey, you don't have to change anything about your workouts. I'm saying that if you add this to your weekly regimen, it's only going to help and it's only going to enhance and improve your performance or whatever your goal is. Man, I, I have so many things I need to talk to you about. I don't know where to start first. I, I'm going to go a little bit off script here because I've been, I've been listening to a lot of the, the meditations you sent to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'll do yours every morning, and then at night I'll either mix it up with yours or some app that I have. And what I keep hearing, and we've been talking about it a lot in, in our advanced training crew, the difference between the parasympathetic and the sympathetic nervous system and how critical it is when you're training to not constantly be in this sympathetic state. So can you expand on that a little more and why it is important to an athlete to not constantly be in this sympathetic state? Absolutely. So for those of you that are, are listening and you may not be sure what those, the difference between the states are is the, the sympathetic nervous system. That's our more uh, fight or flight, if you will, right? That's what kind of releases cortisol or stress, um, gets our adrenaline pumping, 
gets our heart rate um, our heart rate up so that we're ready to do a workout. Um, and it actually originates from when we were cavemen and our ancestors. Um, its purpose was and still is, is to get our heart rate up, to get us alert, to get us in that fight or flight mindset so that back then it was to see or to save us if there was a, you know, saber toothed tiger coming after us, right? Or something that could be uh, an imminent danger to our survival. Um, and it's something that's still important and we still need to this day. Um, however, it just becomes a problem when we're always in that kind of state of mind. The body um, isn't meant to be in that state of mind for really long periods of time. That's why, so when we do things like exercise or, or you're an athlete, you're doing your sport, um, your body, your, you're triggering that fight or flight, uh, the sympathetic nervous system, which you need, right? That's going to give you your adrenaline. That's going to get you pumped and fired up and, and let you do heavy lifts and heavy bench and deadlifts and all that stuff. So it's not bad. We actually need it. And I would, I would encourage everyone that you should at least maybe not every day, but six days a week, you know, tap into that sympathetic nervous system for, you know, an hour, two hours, get that going. But now here's the kicker is that if we're just focused on that, but we don't focus on the other part, which is the parasympathetic nervous system or the rest and digest. So rest and digest, meaning when that's our nervous system is in the parasympathetic state, our body goes, oh, okay, I'm safe. I'm relaxed. I can rest. I can sleep. I can go to the bathroom. And that may sound funny, but you may notice when you're fired up or like when you're doing your exercise. I used to run um, uh, some marathons and I was a runner. I had a little stint with that. Um, and for the most part, you know, when you're working out, you don't really have to go to the bathroom. And that's, that's a, a biological response, right? That's your body shutting off those systems. So once you stop working out and once you cool down and the adrenaline fades and our, your heart rate kind of calms down, that's when you may feel like, uh, a little soreness, right, creep in. You start to feel tired. Maybe, you know, if you even hurt yourself in the workout, uh, you may not feel it during the workout because your adrenaline's pumping. But then afterwards, once you start to cool down and come back to baseline, that's when you those other systems turn on. Now, why they're important is because not only do we need to sleep, use the bath to right, recover, and do all those normal biological functions – they also help us rest. And this is like, if there's just one thing that your listeners take away from this, it's like stress plus rest equals growth. Now, if you don't have the rest, the parasympathetic nervous system daily or during your week, you're missing out on the growth. So what good is it to keep, you know, killing yourself in the gym or, you know, running yourself to the ground if you're not creating some time to rest and recover? And that's the real, I think, goody, if you will, from these practices of yoga, meditation, breathing, stretching, is you're setting up the conditions for your brain, for your body, for your muscles to go, oh, okay, we're not fighting right now. We're not trying to be all tense. We're trying to relax. We're trying to calm down so that our body and our muscles can recover and get stronger and in the big in the bigger picture, then this way, you when you go to your later training sessions, your body's essentially ready to go. And I think for me, that that was what I was missing, especially in my sleep. And look, I, I revealed a lot to you on that phone call, and I'll, I'll reveal a little bit more of the people on the line right now. But I was embarrassed. You know, I'm a I'm a coach. I'm teaching people how to uh, recover. We're constantly doing mobility drills. After our sessions are over, we're hanging from a bar to decompress and get our uh, lymphatic system working. And then we're hanging upside down. I'm preaching all this stuff. I'm doing mobility drills. I'm hydrating right. And then when I go to sleep, I'm legitimately killing myself. And in our first conversation, I'll, I'm telling people online now, I, I, we're real, I'm opening up to you saying, yeah, I'm, I'm in bed. I'm worried somebody's going to break in my house and try and hurt me. So I'm like sleeping like I'm stuck in a cave waiting for somebody to come in constantly tensed up and i gotta ask you are you some sort of like uh i don't know mystic H how did you pull that out of me because i've never told anyone that including my wife how did you get that out of me in like five minutes george you know i i'm definitely not a mystic I, i'm just a regular dude you know but um maybe i don't know even you know i i just was 
you know, I'll tell you when Joe said my my buddy uh, is going to reach out to you, and he said it's um, he did he did give me some kind of context and was like it's kind of a wouldn't say weird, but it's like he's like it's not what you think he'd be reaching out for. So I was like, okay, like let's let's have the conversation. And I really came into the conversation not assuming anything and um, not trying to fix anything to just see. I didn't even know if I would be able to help you, to be totally honest. Um, and then just from what you you told me, and um, I was like, oh, I, I, I can think I know what's going on because uh, I've had similar um, experiences like that in my life. And not necessarily where I thought someone was going to come rob me, so to speak. But I've had some family issues and some just tough times in my life where I've had um, anxiety, right, and some really stressful times. And I was more or less following the the symptoms that you were sharing, which were the restlessness, the ability to fall asleep, yet not stay asleep. And um, so I think it was just that I was able to relate to you. Maybe that's what helped you open up, though. I can't really say for sure, though. And I, I'm going to tell, I'm going to skip forward one second and then come back. But the, listening to your first meditation, the thing that hit me the most was when you said, uh, loosen up your jaw, like sh- move it side to side. And I was like, oh my God, my jaw is completely and totally clenched. And I'm in bed going to sleep. How is this possible? It's like I'm bracing for somebody to punch me in the face. Right. <laughs> so that was the number one thing that really triggered it in my mind is I'm stupid. I need to calm down. Now let's let's backtrack a little bit. I'm going to explain my symptoms to the to the group, and then I want to talk about what made you prescribe the, uh, what you did to, for me. So I said I, I I get here's the symptoms to everybody. I do my mobility drills. I feel relatively good before bed. I go to sleep. Let's say it's eight thirty. I'll wake up at ten in excruciating pain to the point that like I have to crawl down a flight of steps. There's been times where I had to do those mobility drills all over again. I went for two hour walks in the middle of the night, but essentially. It would have to restart the whole process to the point that I didn't want to go to bed. I also explained I had done yoga. We've done these breathing exercises. I did all these things, but also that I'm, I'm mobile, but I'm not very flexible. And it's, sometimes yoga to me was extremely painful. So uh, w- after hearing all that, what did you prescribe to me and why did you prescribe? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I remember this. I remember it very vividly. Um, so after hearing all that, I remember I prescribed to you yeah, in a special, I won't say special, a specific type of yoga practice, which we, uh, which is called yin, which is, uh, I'll get into the differences in a second, yin yoga and, um, and meditation, and hearing uh, just a little bit about of who you were, you know, you were, you know, this fitness guy, strong guy, all and all of the background that you were, you were telling me about, I was like, okay, it doesn't sound like you need more of a like physical type of a yoga practice. Now, let me just pause there. I may go in some circles, but it will all make sense. There are different types of yoga. So I like to use the um, the analogy um, or the metaphor, whichever one it is, that yoga is like um, mixed martial arts or martial arts, right? And there's all different types of mixed martial arts. You have your you know, Taekwondo, you have your Karate, Muay Thai, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, so on and so forth. Same thing with yoga. You got your whole wide array of different disciplines or styles of yoga that all fall under the umbrella. Um, so there are pow- things called like quote unquote power yoga, and that's more geared towards like it, and it's an athletic flow. It's more dynamic, more active stretches, a lot of plyometric type movements. And that's something that um, I find gravitates to people that want more of a physical challenge they want to use more of their body in yoga instead of the quote-unquote just stretching now while i think that you would have liked that from hearing your symptoms it's to me it it wasn't necessarily what you needed because that to a point and degree can still kind of get your sympathetic nervous system uh rising and your heartbeat uh going pretty fast um but on the other side of that, there's a different style of yoga, which is called yin. And that was the one that I prescribed to you because yin's approach is, def- is different than a power yoga approach. And the, in the context of yin, 
for those of you that aren't sure, we do poses that are A, closer to the ground, B, we hold them for uh, a substantial amount of time in comparison to power yoga poses, where in power yoga poses, we'd only hold for like maybe 10, 15, 20 seconds. Yin poses and yin postures, we hold uh, intentionally for anywhere upwards of two, three, four, even even sometimes 10 minutes. And the um, the intention with the yin is to target the parasympathetic nervous system to help your muscles, your tissues, your fascia kind of relax and release, to help your brain relax and, and kind of release tension, um, to get your breath under control. And by not moving in those poses, right? So that's why we hold them for extended periods of time. You're setting up the conditions to allow uh, your body to naturally trigger the parasympathetic nervous system and that's where um you'll see like after you do those poses you don't really feel like going up and like partying right you kind of feel like that zen or that chill state where you're like i don't know why but i just feel pretty it's pretty chill right pretty pretty relaxed and, and that's why like that's the the scientific um reasoning behind that so for you um, while I think you would get uh, benefit from the power yoga poses as more of like a warm up or something to do in lieu of your your workouts, for what you were calling me for, it was uh, no doubt in my mind. I was like the yin, the slower restorative, um, is what you needed. And then let me just add to that and say, plus the meditation. Now uh, I think the two are a great um, prescription, if you will. Because what meditation is, and for those of you listening, um, let me say this: it's not stopping your thoughts. I want to just I want to reemphasize that it's not stopping your thoughts, and that's a very common misconception that people think. And then they sit down and meditate, George, and then they think, and they're like, "Ah, oh, that's it. I'm a lousy meditator. I stink. I'm. This is not for me, right?" And it's like, no, <laughs> incorrect, wrong assumption. Meditation is the process of it's mental training. And I use that lingo and that language to, to reach people like you and athletes and say, listen, the same way we go into the gym and we pump the weights for our biceps, we're doing the same thing with meditation. Every time we bring our attention to our breath or like I know that you like the sounds, right? Every time we listen to sounds, we're doing a rep for our brain to make it stronger so that it can concentrate and take its attention because our brain, right, has attention, what it focuses on, off of the thoughts, off of those things in our head that make us nervous. And thoughts, by the way, can trigger the sympathetic nervous system. If you have anxiety, you know what I'm talking about, right? You could just think a scary thought, believe it, and uh-oh, right? Your, your um, nervous system fires. So essentially what, uh, what I was trying to do with the yin and with the meditation for you was to train your body and your brain in a very practical way to chill out in layman's terms, right? To really just chill out. And um, I find the two help each other because there's actually science out there now, George, and like a lot of science, it's validated um, that meditation and yoga change the structures of our brain which is called neuroplasticity, which means that the brain is essentially malleable and we can train the brain. Um, and so what I think was happening with you, and again, for anyone listening, I'm not uh, an expert in this, just what I've learned, um, is that your brain was way more skewed towards the sympathetic nervous system. That was just how you lived and how you trained yourself to be. So what my intention was was to prescribe you some practices some medicine quote unquote to take you towards balance towards the other way and um and as you see right you basically you were just training oh okay i'm gonna train to go towards the parasympathetic nervous system and how am i gonna do this i'm gonna meditate i'm gonna do yin and i'm just gonna do these practices and trust that they'll work and you did and i acknowledge you for that and then i think you started to see like in real time, how they not only restructure and change the brain, um, but how they can really serve to help us calm down and soothe the nervous system. And I, I got to say, you were spot on. Like, I didn't need, I when I was 
calling you. I'm like, oh God, I hope he doesn't prescribe more stuff. I don't have room for more stuff or more strenuous stuff. And you prescribed yin and it was, it was awesome. Also, I, I loved it because you would sit in a position for two minutes and what was pretty cool, and you could tell me if I'm wrong, but it was almost like gravity was forcing the stretch, quote unquote, rather than me stressing myself out again. It was just nature or whatever, physics, <laughs> letting it happen. And it was actually calming me down in the process. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you're spot on. There's essentially three principles in yin. The first one we call it, it's uh, find your edge. So that's where you, you take a pose like half pigeon, right? And you, you set yourself up and you, you get to your edge in the pose, that place where you're like, okay, this is as far as my body's going to go. The second one is time, which you just alluded to, right? And the third one is stillness. So by being still, by playing your edge, and then by allowing time to pass, you nailed it, George. It's like gravity works on your body. Also, the body just naturally opens up, which is very different than kind of forcing it to. So you were 100% spot on with that. So you, you also hit on uh, the sounds thing. So uh, I don't want to steal all of Austin's thunder here, but in one of his meditations, you're kind of like focusing on your body, you're focusing on your toes. And then at one point he said, okay, now just listen, listen to sounds around you. And that was my second aha moment. Like, holy, yes. I don't listen to anything. Like I'm my own mind is racing so much. I don't have a dog licking his paw or the, the leaves blowing outside or anything. But that, that thing always almost seems to bring me back to reality. I listen to that same meditation about, I don't know, 20 times at this point. And every single time when you say, listen, boom, that's the one that snaps me back into the meditation. Yeah. You know, there are several different ways that we can meditate. And I, would, I wouldn't say that one is better than the other. So for those of you listening and, and George, for yourself included, um, when we sit to meditate, Essentially, what we're doing is taking our attention, our mental attention off of our thoughts, off of our thinking, our worries, our plans for the future, our regrets of the past, yada, 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 and putting it on physical sensations. So use and using our senses is a great way. You know, there's so basically anything could be a meditation and even weightlifting. We can get into that in a little bit and how people can use that. But for the sake of your question and the sounds, you take your five senses, right? So one of them being touch. That's when I, I would cue, um, feel your feet on the ground. Feel your body sitting here. Feel the weight of your clothes on your body, right? That would be your touch. Sound, the auditory, which work, which seems to work really well for you, is like just listen to what you can hear. And, what, and why I think it works is because when we do that, we're consciously like rewiring and and rerouting our attention from that thought in our head, whatever the thought is, to like, okay, what do I hear? Right? Like right now I'm in my studio in my in the gym and I like I hear sounds around me. I hear my own voice. And it's just that that little shift from kind of up in your head space into out here into the senses is really transformational and really therapeutic for lots and lots of people. Um I've also done meditations with smells. You can use things like essential oils, a cup of tea, kind of use your imagination, right? It just like notice what you smell. Like you notice the sense, your sense of smell. You can do um, sight meditation. So like, what do you see? And uh, a really cool one that I've done is like you light a candle flame and you literally not stare, like your eyes don't pop out of your head, but a soft, tender gaze, you look at the candle and that's your, your, um, your point of focus and even taste. Um, I haven't really done, well, actually I will say, yeah, you know, you could do more of a formal meditation with taste, the last sense. And what it would be is, you know, next time you eat, put away your, your Instagram, your phone, turn off the TV, turn off all distractions and just be present with what you're eating. And that could be like tasting the, like I have this recovery drink on my desk, like literally just tasting and putting my attention on what it tastes like or eating. And, and even that in itself is a meditation because you're putting your attention. I hope you start to see the theme here, right? You're putting your attention on whatever the object of focus is and you're taking your attention off of our internal 
thoughts, our internal states, our internal emotions, all of those things, and, and just putting it on the objects. And you could use the five senses. There's all different types. So why is it that in some of your meditations, you actually prescribe, like right in the middle, you'll say, okay, let your mind drift. What's That's a very good question. That? So if you, since you've done a few, and for those of you that have meditated, or if you've never meditated, just to give you a quick synopsis, essentially when we meditate, we sit down in a posture, um, your hands, your legs can be wherever, your eyes can be closed or not, and you focus on something. And to, so to George's question, George, to your question, it's uh, we focus say, on the breath, on the breath, on the breath, or you focus on sounds, on sounds, on sounds. And all the while that you're doing that, I'm sure you've noticed like there's resistance. Your mind wants you to think. It doesn't want to focus. It's like what they, uh, we call the monkey mind. It's like a monkey like clanging its like uh, symbols together. That's the, right. That's the mind. So your mind is like, no, I don't want to focus on the breath. No, I don't want to focus on sounds, but you're doing it anyway. So we actually kind of play like a little trick on the brain. And by allowing the mind to not focus, it's almost like paradoxical effort. It's like, so we spend five, six, seven minutes focusing, focusing, like doing our reps. It's just like getting underneath a barbell and doing your squats, doing your squats. And your body's resisting it, right? And your, your mind's resisting it. And then you go, okay, you know what? Take this next minute off. And then all of a sudden, not always, but mo more times than not, the mind just naturally tends to be still. And the, the reason for that is because you're not trying to focus it. So the mind just ends up coming to a natural place of rest but that's only because you did that effort of those five, six, seven minutes of purposefully focusing on your breath, of purposely focusing on sounds, et cetera. So that when you take your little rest, your brain goes, oh, okay, I can rest here. And it just naturally comes to a place of stillness and quiet. So, <laughs> wow. <laughs> You're talking through all this stuff. And, and as I'm doing meditation in the back of my head, I'm thinking, don't screw this up. Don't screw this up. Do what Austin's saying. What are the mistakes that people make? And, and I think one before you said was maybe thinking that you, you can't let your mind drift at all. And one of them I got to ask you right now is sometimes I'll fall asleep. Yeah. Like, did I blow it? Or is that that's like, such, hey, a, uh, such a great question. Um, so let me just say that's very common. That's very natural. Um, so I'll answer it in two parts. First one, I'll answer the question about sleep. And then second one, I'll go to kind of misconceptions, right? And uh, common questions about meditation. So the sleeping, um, okay, you may not like to hear this, but it's usually a sign that you're not getting enough sleep and you're not getting enough rest throughout your week. And um, I'm not going to put you on the spot. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. But what could be happening is... <laughs> When we sit down to meditate, we're essentially pumping the brakes on our life, right? Whatever it is. We're stepping away from our text messages, our Instagrams, our clients, our families, whoever, right? And we're pumping the brakes and we're just sitting. And it sounds so far, like we're just sitting, right? And we're just sitting. And we're not having to be anyone. We're not having to kind of do anything we're really just sitting and allowing the body and the brain to unwind which was right part of your uh, assignment which was like george i think you need to unwind a little bit more and um so when we do that what happens is residual tiredness so residual tiredness may be from a sleep deficit or maybe you just crushed yourself in the gym and you didn't get get enough sleep that you needed to recover or just like just natural wear and tear of the week kind of building and building on you. Once your body goes away from the sympathetic, you see the kind of the common theme here, right? And then you, you sit down and, and you're going to that rest and digest that meditative mode. Your body is like, Oh, 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 we're, we're not doing anything. Yes. I can, I can rest. I can, I can sleep. Right. You know, and it's like your body and your brain are begging you for this, but we, myself included, let me just say this, that I, I do this all the time too. So I don't want to 
give the wrong misconception or disillusion anyone. This is why we call it a practice. I still fall asleep sometimes in my meditation. And instead of how I, what's changed now is instead of me looking at it like, Austin, you stink, you blew it, you're a terrible meditator, who do you think you are? I just go, oh, wow, okay, I need some sleep in my life. Let me go take a nap. And like that has been revolutionary for me. Um, because if you look at it in that way, there's nothing wrong with you, George, or me, or anyone that falls asleep meditating. Only thing that's quote unquote wrong is that you just need some sleep. That's it. And the body. So yeah, go ahead. I gotta ask you a question. When you when you are meditating, do you listen to <laughs> to you? Do you listen to an app, or do you just already have the practice down? You don't need to yeah. listen to your own recording. So I do a, a whole assortment. Um, I have some of my teachers. The one that I use the most is Headspace. Um, Andy Pudicombe is a wonderful teacher, and I've been using Headspace for about five years now. Um, I do practice to my own meditations. Um, I find that when I practice in my own meditations, though, I am a little self-critical. Just so, right? I'm always like, why did I say that? You know, versus <laughs> versus, versus just meditating. Right. Um, but then I always find out like, oh, that was pretty good. And not in an egotistical way, but just like, I'm usually my own worst enemy. Um, so I'm like, oh, I don't want to listen to it. I don't want to hear it. Um, so I do listen. And I also listen sometimes in the lens of feedback to give myself feedback so that I can grow and become a, an improved teacher and deliver a uh, facilitator of meditation. Sometimes I sit in silence. I'll just set a clock, the iPhone clock timer, 15, 20, 10, depends uh, what, what I need. Um, sometimes I'll do it to music. Um, sometimes I do a different form of meditation, which is called kirtan and now this one may seem like a little out there to some people but that's okay it's essentially called call and response and you sit there just like you would be meditating but you listen to what's called devotional music and it's basically like you have a mantra and you just listen to the mantra or you sing the mantra over and over and over again it's just a different form of meditation but it's all the same kind of end mean like um creating distance between my thoughts trying to chill out trying to give my brain a chance to just chill um but yeah so i do all different types of meditation i always i try to keep it fresh and um practice the different teachers all that do you have a schedule for yourself like i'm gonna do this twice a day or do you just do it when you feel yeah, like you need so to center yourself ideally I like to do it every morning before I'm out for the day because it's very easy for the day to get away from me. Um, there are times where I've done it as like a, an emergency, quote unquote, right? Like an SOS, like, oh my God, like I just need to meditate. I'm going to freak out on someone or I'm really stressed or I'm really anxious or I'm really sad. Um, but ideally, in a place that I, I try to be in is, is doing it daily, like a vitamin approach, instead of doing it like a, an Advil or a Tylenol, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes perfect, perfect sense. Thank you. I just want to get back to that question before, you, before we forget. What are the biggest mistakes that people make when they're meditating? Just to reiterate the earlier point of the... Um, the misconception that it's about stopping your thoughts. Okay, so right out the bat, we're human beings. We think we have a brain. It thinks as long as we are alive, which is a good thing. We're alive. Our brain is going to think. Now, um, the misconception is to think, oh, I thought or I can't clear my mind. I hear that a lot. And it's just simply false. It's uh, incorrect and a, and a disempowering kind of way to approach the exercise, which is meditation. And um so right there, if you can get that, you'll have a much greater time uh, meditating. And then further from that, which has been really helpful for me to remember as in my own practice and to reiterate to students, is that when you're sitting to meditate, um, if you have a whole session where you find it just really, really hard to focus on your breath or really, really hard to focus on sounds or even just to feel your body like and you feel like you went the whole 10 minutes and you're like that was a waste of time uh what did you say like don't mess up right you know listen listen if you can bring yourself to attention 
or present instead in a different way and concentrated just once in those 10 minutes. So say you spend nine minutes and 58 seconds thinking, but you spend two seconds aware of your breath, aware of your feet, whatever, aware of sounds. That is a successful, and I try not to use those terms successful because um, there's really no place for them in meditation and yoga, and we can talk about that. But that is a quote-unquote successful session because that is the aim. The aim is not to stop your thoughts. The aim is to create distance between you and your thoughts. And if you just brought your attention back once, you're already triggering those things in your brain that are moving towards the shift in attention. The prefrontal cortex, right? The amygdala affecting these areas in our brain. The amygdala is the place of the fear center. Um, and with meditation, consistent meditation practice, we can actually shrink the size of our amygdala in our fear response. It's pretty cool. But every time you take your attention away from the thoughts, it's a win. Um, so that's a huge thing to like understand and to know going, um, going into it. And I would say um, the other thing is to know that it's uh, it's cumulative. So and that, and back to what we were saying about the um, the vitamin versus Advil or aspirin approach. Some people may meditate once, feel good, and then wake up the next day and be like, "Oh, this is a load of crap." I'm right back where I started, and it's like you know, no, no, no shit. <laughs> you know, it's it's something that. You have to do, it's a practice. So it's like, I, I try to meet people where they're at and, and explain it and things that they understand in the sense of like, would you go to the gym, do a set of bench press, squats, deadlifts once, and then expect to have your numbers go up and expect to build your muscles? Absolutely not. You, you go and you, you train. And that's the approach. And I think the misconception that people have is like, okay, if I just do this when I feel like it, it's going to work. And, and it will Kind of, but to really get the benefits, I encourage people to do it consistently. Now, it doesn't have to be every day. That's another question, misconception. And it doesn't need to be for a long time. It's the consistency that we're going for. It's that, that, that saying, right? A little bit it leads to a lot of bit. You do, say, three times a week, but you're committed to those three times a week. You're going to grow. You're going to change. You're going to become a, quote, unquote, better meditator because it's just like training in the gym so i would say those things are like the big kind of takeaways if you can remember that and apply them you'll really start to see uh the benefits more and more from your meditation so are you saying that it, it could be just as effective to do uh three five minute meditations a week as it would be to do one 25 minute Absolutely. meditation a week Look at it in any other realm or any other discipline. If you're, look at it as like volume. You're going to accumulate that more and more, and it's going to be more enjoyable. So another comparison is uh, I'm also a running coach. I haven't been coaching running late as of late with uh, COVID and just hasn't been in my, uh, my world currently. But I learned a lot from coaching runners and coaching them for the marathon. And every season – we start our runners off with like a 10 minute, 15 minute run. And it's such a brilliant approach. And the reason why is because if you do something, but you force your way to that higher uh, or that longer time domain, than you're like ready for what good is it? Yeah. You're going to will your way through it. You're going to fight your way through it. And like, yeah, you can eat, like do it, but it's, we're looking for sustainable change. We're looking for a change of habit, a change of behavior so much better to do those three sessions at five minutes where you're like, you're like, I can do this. And you get a little confidence. You get a little bit of um, momentum versus like forcing yourself to sit down for 25 minutes. And those 25 minutes is horrible. You're just like, oh, this sucks. When is it over? I can't stop moving. I can't stop fidgeting. Just like with running, if you go put someone out for a 40 minute run before they're ready for that, they're going to hate running. And it's the same idea with meditation. It's like, start small, start winnable gaps, you know, three times a week, five minutes a day, get the habit, get some confidence, learn the techniques, you know, and just one more kind of comparison. It's like, I'm 
to bring CrossFit into the equation. Um, and I was before we were on our call, I was doing the snatch balances. So for those of you that are unfamiliar, right, the, the snatch is a very technical uh, Olympic lift. You know, what good is it to load up the barbell with heavy weight and my form's all trash? Now, my ego wants me to do that, but what's really going to help me grow and progress as a weightlifter is to take those steps back, to do the barbell, to even use a PVC pipe, which is like two pounds, right? And to just get those grooves of the training. Same thing in meditation. Go sit for five minutes, but do that five minutes to the best of your ability and grow your capacity to be still and grow your capacity to concentrate your capacity to focus this way you have a foundation versus just going for the marathon when you've never even ran a mile i, I love it i mean you you hooked me in because you sent me the yin yoga i think that was about 10 minutes you sent me the that meditation it was about nine minutes i'm like i can do this it wasn't an hour but then you also sent me other stuff to look if you want to do it here's 10 other ones and some of them are 25 minutes and some of them are eight minutes to be honest, I haven't ventured past anything like uh, 11 minutes yet, but uh, I'm, I'm getting ready to That's do so it. That's so great, ready to And go you know, you that. may not even need to. You know, I would say, especially even if it's working, you know, if it's working for you and you can consistently do it, you have the confidence and you have the foundation. And you could. I'm not saying, I'm not discouraging you. You know, you can do 10 minutes, 15 minutes a day. Try it now, like keep it for a whole year and then like, wow, really see the benefits. And that's like the what I'm trying to say in a nutshell for all these things is like whatever is going to allow you to keep it sustainable for the longest amount of time, you're going to get more practice. You're going to get more repetitions and it's going to permeate more of your day to day life because you're doing it on a day to day or, or every other day basis. So I have another question for you. This is my third like trigger moment during the uh, meditation. So with us. We've been focusing a lot on nasal breathing, diaphragmatic breathing, and really forcing our breaths to make sure that we are expanding our rib cage out in all directions. During the meditation, it hit me. You're saying, don't force your breaths. Just, just let it happen. Uh, what, what's the reason for that? And is there a time and a place for a forced breath versus during the meditation, just letting, letting your body function? Absolutely. So what's in yoga – and meditation and that whole world, what what the breathing is referred to, uh, or the controlling of the breathing, it's called pranayama. Pranayama, which prana stands for uh, like life force, breath, energy, chi, and the yama is the ama is the control. So pranayama, the breath control, right? It literally translates to that. Um, so there's all different types of breathing. What you were just saying, the diaphragmatic breathing, the alternate nostril breathing, those are all different types of pranayama. Um, in power yoga, we practice what's called ujjayi breathing, which sounds like Darth Vader. You kind of, you breathe in and out kind of like Darth Vader. It's pretty well, cool. I got to stop you with the, uh, the alternate nostril breathing. Is that in through one nostril on yep. one breath and then in through the other yeah. nostril so on another breath? You basically make Whoa. like your, your hand like a shaka, <laughs> like so your thumb and your pinky out and your index, middle and ring finger kind of curled in like a little shaka hand, like hang loose, hang ten. And then you take your thumb to like your left nostril, breathe in through the right, and then you switch the pinky to the other nostril and breathe out and so on. So to your question, in the meditation, there are all different types of breath. Um, the way that I've been trained, and the this goes back to our analogy of the mixed martial arts, there's all different types of meditations as well. The one that you have been practicing along with me, um, we it's awareness-based. So when it's awareness-based meditation, that's what we're trying to do. We're just trying to be aware of the breath, the natural cadence, the natural rhythm, the natural ebb and flow of the breath as it comes in and out. Um, so that's the answer to that. To your question, though, if you wanted to do uh, a pranayama meditation, the breath control, you could do alternate nasal breathing for 10 minutes. Close your eyes and it's, it's a trip, right? You could try that. Five minutes. You could do diaphragmatic breathing for a whole X amount of time. So there's really no right way. You, there's all just different techniques, different practices, and you just kind of find which uh, vibes with you the best. So let's just say that the meatheads have listened this long on the podcast. They they've bought in, right? I'm I'm in. I'm going to meditate. When should they do it? Is is it 
in the morning? Is it right after a workout yeah. before bed, so, or does it not matter when they do it? The easiest answer I would say is you got to do it when you can do it. And I'm kind of joking, but I'm, there's also a little bit of serious in that. The, the meditation that you do is better than the meditation that you don't do. Um, so if you can find a time in the day that works for you, great. If you're uh, an evening person and you know it, don't do it in the morning. You're gonna have a, not going to have a good time. Maybe you're an, a morning person uh, and you have some extra time in the morning. Do it then. So really, it's, it's more important to find a time that works for you and to make it a habit. That's the real ticket is to make it a habit and, and make it part of your day. Maybe you have it before your coffee. Um, maybe you have it after a workout. I would say don't do it. At, not don't do it. I don't want to tell anyone not to do anything. I'd recommend you don't, though, after eating because your body is going to be focused on digesting. And that takes a lot of energy. So you may fall asleep uh, in addition to being sleepy if you do it right after you sleep. Um, the benefits to doing it in the morning is that your whole day starts from this place of focused attention and you'll just see, you'll go through the day kind of less drawn or less hooked by certain things that have that, you know, things are still going to grab your attention. Things are still going to poke and prod you, piss you off, all those things. But if you meditate, at least I found that if I meditate in the morning, I'm better are more able to respond to my life than to just be in, t in a reaction. And then the last thing is it's also great to do right before a workout. I try to do, I, if I'm not doing it in the morning, I at least try to do it before my workout and it's going to center you for your workout. You're going to like just be connected to your reps in a different way. You'll be able to move like in slow motion, kind of like the spider, like from like Spider-Man, like not really slow motion, but you're going to see there's like, a little bit of a pause. You're able to just be a little bit more mindful and present of like how you grip the bar, how you move. If you do a pull up, a bicep, whatever it is, just more aware of the of the movement. I'm so glad you said that because uh, we've been studying uh, RPR, reflexive performance reset, and a huge part of it is diaphragmatic breathing, but nasal breathing. And what with their premise is, look, you want to be. They want actually want you to be in the parasympathetic nervous system while you're working out. They're saying, look, you ever watch a horror movie and this girl's running away from Jason or Freddy Krueger and she keeps falling all over herself and she can't start the car? Yeah, there's a reason for that because her sympathetic nervous system is so heightened that you actually lose motor control. So what they're telling their athletes is, yeah, before you go to take a free throw, breathe in through your nose, breathe out through your nose and get yourself centered and, and really get your parasympathetic nervous system going. So I'm glad you're saying do it before a workout. There's a lot of football teams right now, even college division one teams that are doing this deep breathing before they walk on a field, before they compete. I'm talking like highest level, highest of the highest level. Uh, NCAA yeah, absolutely. So I'm glad you, you know, said yoga and meditation is one of those things where there's really no downside to it. You know, the, the benefits are cumulative and, and the benefits are no matter what mindfulness, right? That whole buzzword, it's just going to enhance your life and it's not going to make you a zombie. It's, it's not going to kill your performance on the field. It's actually going to allow you to be, to use another term, the eye of the hurricane so that maybe, you know, you're on your D the D one uh, football player, or, you know, you're just your local high school athlete. When you're in those situations, you're going to be way better. If you're able to just take a pause, take a second, take a deep breath in a deep breath out and respond. We use that term, uh, purposely respond to the stimulus, the environment versus to react. And I had a uh, an old coach of mine would always say this term. He got it from the Navy SEALs, which is take a second, even if a second is all you have. And it's just it's just to say, like, even the Navy SEALs can benefit from and they do benefit. And the Army has meditation as part of their, I don't know if you call it protocol or training, and it's just something that will benefit and enhance no matter what the discipline is. I'm just grabbing my Jocko Willink Extreme Ownership book as you said that because I think he says, like, relax, prioritize, execute. I got to find it. I don't have – it's going to be too hard to flip through this book, but I think he's saying the same thing. Like, essentially, take that, take that minute, take that second, observe what's going on, and then under control, make the prioritization exactly. decision. Exactly. And then Just that ability to stop, pause, and whew, 
take a breath, and then reorganize yourself. Now, you kind of slipped this in before, but I want to get back to it. What do you mean when you say weightlifting can be a form of meditation? Um, so like we've been talking about all, all podcasts, what is meditation essentially? And it's really just an exercise in attention, an exercise in awareness. Um, how does that translate to the gym? And um, you really can meditate while you're working out. And that's something that I try to do. And, and I've seen it increase my own CrossFit performance. So uh, making the, the movement itself a meditation and as simple as possible, just like we would put our attention on our senses, you just put your attention on the movement that you're doing. So even if it's a heavy deadlift or it's a wall ball, right? The wall ball, you, you hold the medicine ball at like about chest level, you squat it, you throw it up to a, a target for reps. Can you, your, can you put your attention on one rep and do that over and over and over and over again versus I have so many reps, all oh, this weight's heavy, what if I fail? What if I go down into the squat? And I'm not able to get back up, like all those things that we have. And then how you make it a meditation is, like, okay, you, you set yourself up for, a, say, like a heavy back squat. You brace, you breathe, you set your eyes to one point, you feel your feet beneath you, you, you pull into your core, and then you execute that lift. And you put your attention on that lift and nothing else. It's just like being in the zone. But you're just using the, the vehicle. And, and instead of it being a seated meditation, the vehicle is the, the squat. That's still a meditation. I love it. I mean, for a while, for me, in my own mind, I thought lifting for me had a lot of things going on. And it was my it was my only time where I could center my thoughts on something. To your point, how is my technique on this bench press? How is my technique on this hand clean? And it really was eliminating all of the mental churn that was going on outside of that gym. So, man, I love it, man. We are we are in lockstep. And just while you were talking, I just clicked up my Jocko Willink note. It was relax, look around, prioritize and execute. So linking right back to exactly what you said. Yeah. So what would you recommend? What type of yoga would you recommend? Because a lot of our guys are old, washed up, beaten, inflexible football players. What type of yoga would you recommend for those guys? Good question. It, it comes back to intention. And what I mean by that is, what they're looking for. Um, and I had some friends reach out to me who are like, you know, I'm not looking to get into yoga like that, but I want to do yoga. And I was like, I got you, bro. You know, like, I, I, you got to know your, you got to know your, your, your audience. And I was like, I understand. Um, <laughs> so what kind of what we talked about in the beginning and, and basically what I uh, specialize in, if you would, is the, what I call Baptiste power yoga, right? In the name of my company, Baptiste power yoga with Austin. Um, so Baptiste power yoga is the the style of yoga and of course with austin is is kind of my own brand and how i deliver it um so what what differentiates and makes what why i fell in love with baptiste yoga was because it's super physical it's um it's very athletic it's a very dynamic flow it's in, it can be intense sometimes and i think that it speaks to athletes and it speaks to those people that maybe they're like yeah yoga is not my thing i don't want to just sit still and stretch like maybe the yin doesn't really um speak to them they get bored right or they're just like it's not for them whereas the power yoga um really is like a workout and i want to i want to just say that it is yoga we do focus on our breath and our, our what we call drishti or our gaze so focusing our attention, our intention, our breathing, all of the yoga parts, but it's more of a dynamic, powerful, athletic flow that takes the body through every range of motion, every way that the body can move upwards, downwards, sideways, rotational, uh, you name it, in that basically hour or so class. I find that that uh, resonates more with like the like you said, to just use your words, right? The washed up, maybe athlete, uh, meathead, or someone who likes a physical challenge, but still wants to get the yoga stretching and the breathing and all that good stuff, but not be so bored with maybe yin, which could be maybe like a block to them to standing, to being still. Now, I've heard you've been collaborating with Joe Sarno and his crew over at Headstrong. You've been training his guys on the Baptiste power yoga flow. <laughs> 
Can you can you talk more about what that is and why you're doing it with this crew? It's a wonderful flow that I practice almost daily. Um, sometimes I'll do yin if I need it, right? If I'm just smoked from the gym. And um, that's what I, I, I find it really resonates with athletes. So I'm doing that for Joe Sarno and, and his uh, Headstrong Fitness crew over there on Sundays. And they're really resonating with it. And, and the reason why is because back to it's really designed with the athletic person in mind. The poses that we do, the way that we break it down are not only strengthening our muscles, our ligaments, the tissues, but it's also kind of preparing our body and balancing out the body in a different way than just weightlifting does. So sometimes weightlifting can cause uh, adaptations where you may compensate on one side versus the other. Where this yoga, it's we to- uh, focus on the whole body, front, back, upper, lower, left, right side, you name it. In, in try and in in, in, as, in and as even approach as we can so that we're really targeting the whole body and helping athletes get that full range of motion and also here's what doesn't really gets lost in translation is a lot of these positions are active positions that we mimic in the gym so something like a tree pose which where you balance on one leg right and you have your arms overhead Every time you take your arms overhead in yoga, that's mimicking the push position like a shoulder press or a military press. Every time we do a thing which is called chaturanga, which is a low push-up in yoga, that's mimicking our bench press, our push-ups, our burpees. So there's so many uh, parallels and movement patterns that are really universal, and it's good to do them without load and to do them with your own body weight so that you kind of develop that prerequisite strength, and it's only going to enhance your performance in the gym. So let's say I lift three days a week, I sprint three days a week, and I have one off day. How would you coach me up to fit power yoga into my schedule slash lifestyle? Would I do it on my off day? Would I add it to a day that I'm already working out or sprinting or lifting? Or would it completely replace one of my sprinting or running days? Uh, how, How would you coach me up on that? A good coach would look at, or maybe if you don't have a coach, or how you'd want to look at your training program is you don't want the yoga to um, negatively impact your weekly training and your weekly volume. So you could try it in any, any kind of which way. You could try it on the rest day. You can try it in addition with the running or with the weightlifting. Um, and you may have to uh, alternate it. Um, or maybe you do one less day of the running, you know, and, and you, you swap it. And there's no like really like one answer. I would never say that for any individual or athlete. It's really just, you know, what's unique to your body and how you respond to it. But I think like if someone didn't want to give up any of their other training and then like, you could do it on a rest day and still be fine. It's not going to tax you um, like a workout would. And, um, or maybe you'll see like the benefit of adding it in and maybe taking away one of your workouts, but you'll, you'll gain from it much more than you would lose from just not doing it at all. This is kind of related, but not entirely. I've been using the yin yoga on my off days so that on my off day, I'm not doing nothing. I'm doing something, but it's not adding insane stress to my body that I, uh, on your on your off day, you're still getting your joints through the range of motion. You're still kind of um, moving. And uh, I have a physical therapist friend who says motion is lotion, right? Motion is lotion. So you're you're keeping your That's your right. strain down. Um, <laughs> you're not targeting that sympathetic nervous system, and you're you're still allowing your muscles to recover. So exactly, like maybe you found Yin was the perfect uh, addition to your schedule. There's that's the beautiful thing is there's so many things that you can try to see what works for you. There's just no one way. There's all different ways. Yeah, it's funny you say that. I've actually heard a couple of physical therapists use that exact same mantra. Uh, it, it fits in so many different ways. So uh, awesome. Okay, we Austin, we've kept you here longer than we intended to. Before we leave, are there any words of wisdom or one piece of advice you want to leave the crew with? One closing thought to take away from this is to just uh, remember that idea that stress plus rest equals growth. And whatever rest looks like for you, whether it is a formal meditation or yoga practice, or maybe it's just creating some time to rest, that really idea of, of how 
looking at the rest and these um, less impact activities as beneficial and not as something that's less, but something that's going to really enhance and help you uh, grow. So you maniacs, you guys, I, you know who you are. <laughs> Stress plus rest equals growth. Rest. Rest is the key word. So Austin, I know people are going to want to learn more about you uh, after this conversation. They're going to want to reach out. They're going to want to see what you're doing. What is your, what's the easiest way for them to find you on Instagram? My uh, handle is my first name, Austin K-A-P Yoga. So Austin K-A-P Yoga. Um, and there I have, uh, I post different uh, flows um, that people can do sometimes for athletes. And also there is a link to my website, which is Baptiste Power Yoga with Austin com. And on my website, I have a whole bunch of pre-recorded and video flows so that you can practice uh, on your own time, YouTube, guided meditations, all free that you can check it out. And then, you know, you can reach out to me there if there's any, any other questions. And if you love to try practicing with me live sometime, I do host classes in the studio in Ho I know I'm in Hoboken um, or uh, on Zoom virtual, which is a great option for those of you that may not want to travel, but or do your practice at home. You could find all of that on my Instagram and on my website. I'll post some of these links when I send out the uh, the email with this podcast on it so you guys can have direct access to it. Austin, thank you, A, for coming on this podcast. Our guys need it. So. They may not have wanted it, but now I think I think we got them. I think we got it into this conversation. And B, on a personal note, thank you, man, because I, I have slept. Man, this this past week, I've actually got to sleep without – I'm waking out without pain. So my life George, is so George, you're so much welcome. Better. And, yeah, thank you for the opportunity to really be on the podcast. It. And um, I really enjoyed it, and uh, I appreciate it. And um, just acknowledge you for – you know, it's one thing to, to reach out to someone about stuff, and it's another thing to put those tools into practice. So just to acknowledge you for staying with your practice and kind of paying it forward. I think a lot, of more, a lot more people can benefit from your story. So thanks for sharing. All right. This wraps up this episode with Austin Kapitanakis. Once again, Austin, thank you, thank you, thank you, and a special thanks to Joe Sarno, who is becoming the great connector. Joe, thank you for bringing Austin into my life, man. Uh, I've been sleeping beautifully, and I feel like a brand new person. All right, people, talk to you soon. Bye. This episode is brought to you by Element. That's L-M-N-T. What's Element? Element is the product that came into my life at exactly the right moment. I've been training hard. I've been sweating like a maniac. But unfortunately, after my sessions, I could never kick that feeling of dehydration. It didn't matter how much water I drank. In fact, the more water I drank, the worse it got. My body was telling me, you need more. You need electrolytes. But I refused to go and buy some sugary sports drink and put that garbage into my body. Enter Element. What's Element? It's a tasty electrolyte drink mix. That's right. I said tasty. They have seven different flavors. My personal favorite is mango chili. But most importantly, it's got no sugar. It's got no gluten. It's got no garbage. There's got no guilt. Take it. You'll feel better. You won't feel like a bum after you drink it. You won't feel any guilt after taking it. To get your element today, go to drinklmnt.com backslash George Mahoney. Again, that's drinklmnt.com backslash George Mahoney. Get yours today.